Hey, lords and ladies, welcome to the first episode of House of Nettles, a House of the Dragon recap and review podcast. I am your host, Morgan, and I'm here with my co-host and Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, House of the Dragon, Duncan Nick, super fan. Jamark. <laughs> yes. And we are finally launching our podcast because the first episode of House of the Dragon has finally premiered on HBO and we are just bursting with excitement to talk about it with y'all today. Yes, the greatest television show has is prequel. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk about it. It's going to be spoilers for the first episode and we're going to keep it mainly just talking about the TV show and our predictions and everything based around that. Very... 2% talking about the book. We're all in this TV show and we're ready to jump in and dive and all that cool stuff. Yeah, so if you listen to our episode zero, uh, well, if you didn't first go back and, and check it out, you get to know us a little bit more and everything. But in our episode zero, we did talk about why we're not going to get too much into the book stuff, but one of us has read the books several times over. So we may bring a couple little points in as we go, but we're not going to spoil anything and we are not going to be those podcasters who get irate when they deviate from the books. We're not going to be those people because this is a TV show podcast, not a book podcast. Yeah, we're enjoying the medium for what for what it is. Like, hey, mm-hmm. we're, we're watching the show. We're vibing with it. We're going to we're going to have a good time talking yeah. about everything in Westeros. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So last night we gathered together in front of the TV after pretty much just a whole weekend of being really excited. One of us had on his Game of Thrones socks. Mm-hmm. We had a Milk of the Poppy inspired cocktail and we watched the first episode. So by any chance, did the the title of the first episode get released yet? You know what? I can look that up. Okay. As we sit here and be cool talking to the people. Talk to the people. <laughs> so while we looked that up, just wanted to give a plug to our social media. So we are on Twitter. Thanks to everyone who engaged with our um, account as we live tweeted the show with with everybody else in America. Um, we are so we're on Twitter at House of Nettles. We also have a TikTok for House of Nettles. We ain't posting nothing on there yet because we really can't figure out TikTok quite yet. <laughs> we will too. We will get over there. But in the meantime, uh, Twitter is probably the best place you can find us. So if you agree with our opinions on the show, if you disagree, if you have something more specific that you want us to talk about, feel free to come on over there and join us. And we are going to be live tweeting every Sunday at nine o'clock for the rest of the season. So please feel free to use that house of the dragon hashtag and engage with us. So yesterday's episode was titled the heirs of the dragon. Mm. Yes. And I think that is a great title because just based on just a quick little synopsis of the episode, it was heavily, heavily focused on the, the rights of secession. You get the opening scene, you get what's called the Great Council. Uh, I want to say it's the Great Council of 101. Uh, and a quick little backstory about that. They, you, you see the old king, and it's a great scene, great set. Uh, he's called a Great Council, something that's never been seen before in Westeros. The greatest lords to the smallest lords and landed knights have all come, come to the Heron Hall to 
vote on who's going to be the king's next heir. Mm -hmm. The king had two great sons, two older great sons who were destined for greatness. The oldest one ended up dying in a battle injury. He only had one child, a daughter. Uh, So when it came to who was going to be next, he kind of looked over his granddaughter when his second oldest son. But years later, his second oldest son ended up... uh, succumbing to an illness he died so they're like well who, who's gonna be the king we lost he lost both his heirs uh should it be the oldest child of the oldest guy who was a girl or the oldest living male relative so the first should it be the firstborn's firstborn son's daughter mm-hmm. or should it be the oldest living male relative who's not a direct and direct line of secession, but he's a man. Yes. So that's like the conflict that they set up in the cold open. So I guess my question to you is what did you think about this cold open? Um, and well, I'll get your thoughts on that first and then I'll share mine. All right. Um, just based on the cold open, it was great. Uh, definitely from the people's magazine, um, photo shoot they did of this. It, it seemed like it was going to be something way bigger than it was, was something mm-hmm. that was going to take longer, but it was literally mm-hmm. two minutes long, but just seeing how grand it was. Cause we got to see Heron Hall in, uh, in game of Thrones, but this time we will, re- it, it really seemed like something straight out the mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at it, it just how big it was and all you see all those people in it. It was magnificent. Yeah, yeah. I will agree. I think while we were watching the first part of the show, I was really struck by how different it felt right off the bat from the original Game of Thrones series, but also at the same time familiar. So um, just thinking about like season one, episode one of Game of Thrones, you kind of start off seeing these people running from, we don't really know what, um, and you know, you're kind of getting ushered into the world based on the information that you're learning from the dialogue in the first episode and a few visuals versus this episode where we open with like a a text scroll and they're giving us a little bit more background and a little bit more history so right off the bat it, I feel like I'm learning I'm knowing like okay I need to start remembering information I need to start remembering names and then we get like you said this really brief cold open and then we jump forward in the future again so it felt like this first episode was just laying a lot of groundwork and foundation whereas the first game of thrones episode it felt a little bit less like uh telling you like okay this is the train it's leaving the station and this is the destination that we're getting to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just the the, the grandiose of it all yeah uh and I, I do want to say about uh, Rhaenyra, who was the old king's mm-hmm. oldest granddaughter. She was serving face mm-hmm. when she did not get chosen as the heir mm-hmm. to the king. Like you can tell just the, by the, by her facial expression that mm-hmm. she was upset. Yeah, and I think it's of course we're watching it from a lens of a different time, even though it's fantasy, like a different time, different culture, and things like that. But it's just really crazy. It's crazy to think that you get to rule an entire kingdom just based on who you happen to be born to, but then also based on if if you have a vagina or not. I just think that's so interesting because you're like, obviously, just put the person that's the most competent or wants to rule, you know, would be the best ruler, but it's not that simple. And so even in this fantasy world, there are definitely things that are grounding us like rules of succession and, and gender norms and all that type of stuff like that. Um, but I really appreciated how they are showing you how this beef is going to come to be and probably what we're going to focus on for the rest of the season. So I, I really enjoyed the cold open. And like you said, 
it was very grand. Like I was very impressed by the costumes and you can tell the budget was good. The wigs was good. That lace mm. was melting. I'm like, okay, HBO really put some money into this one. Oh yes. Oh yes. And then they jump right in. Hey, Viserys, the oldest gr- grandson, oldest male relative. He's one, he's one the airship and they just jump right ahead. There's mm-hmm. no dilly daddling. There's no telling you all this stuff that happened in between. It cuts to nine years into his reign. So the, we're all assuming old King lived a couple more years. He died. And it's nine years past that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got his daughter, uh, but he doesn't have a male heir. Mm-hmm. And but the way the scene opens, it has uh his daughter. What's her name? Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. Not Rainies. Rainies come in on that dragon. The dragons look good. You want to talk about they how they look? look really good? Yes, we got to see two two dragons. We saw three. I think we saw one in the dream. And I I really did enjoy that they made them look distinct from. Daenerys Targaryen's dragons mm-hmm. and I think that um, you know we did some quick math while the show was airing around okay how much longer how much far are we away from the dragons being virtually extinct in the in the kingdom and then them kind of coming up I think they say 172 years later they reemerged with the reign of Daenerys Targaryen but I think even just seeing how different how varied the dragons look and how impressive they are like they, I think they're a lot more beautiful in this series so far like the gold dragon i was like oh my gosh that's gorgeous and you know what talking about uh daenerys dragons from game of thrones that's going to be an interesting thing to what if we see a dragon that looks similar to her three because they all look the same uh Mm -hmm. we could we could see their mother father yeah yeah that's gonna that's gonna be cool to see but yeah just how they look uh, i think her dragon cyrax it was a beautiful like goldish yellow Mm -hmm. hue uh we got to see uh my one of my favorite dragons damon targaryen's dragon oh yeah his dragon was cool it looked it looked leaner like Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know how that helps him fly or fight or anything but it was like a leaner sleeker dragon still massive still big as fuck yeah yeah and i think one of the things that we talked about as we watched the show was just how in game of thrones you kind of see the the kingdom on the decline and you see like not so good rulers but it's really interesting to see like the iron throne being set upon as well like people rulers of dignity and power like the kingdom at its height of power with the dragons um we see like with the military might and everything like we see how intimidating and powerful this role really was before you get people like Robert Baratheon and Cersei and Joffrey on the throne and so it just felt like a much more majestic court yeah you know what this uh, this is the first time on the television screen we really yeah. got to see a, yeah. a full small council at work mm-hmm. and just for everybody for some reason you watch the show and you listen to small councils just there like the the king and his staff, chief of staff, like the president, his chief of staff, mm-hmm. they're having meetings about how to run the kingdom, all that cool stuff. We really got to see that in motion. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Just talk, talk. How they were talking about how they're going to delegate things, how they're going to run things, mm-hmm. and I, one of my favorite parts from that first council was uh, seeing our, my, one of my one of my favorite characters of the show, Corlys Valerian. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking uh, which is he's the head of House Valerion and just how they were kind of like he was bringing up good points of yeah, what they need was. to do and they were really dismissing him they weren't trying to hear it mm-hmm. he was like the, the voice of reason that people ignore until it's too late and they're like well, why didn't somebody say something but uh, I've been <laughs> saying something this whole time um, but yeah I thought Rhaenyra's entrance was 
pretty pretty good um not like that impressive but not too bad either so we see her riding on her dragon and we kind of use her as our eyes and ears to just like kind of take a tour of or we see how they maintain the dragons and like everybody kind of scared of the dragons just mm-hmm. a little bit but um i mean they're majestic and we also get to learn like some little I think interesting tidbits of like dragons have a distinct smell. And so when you're a dragon rider, you have a distinct smell from bonding with your dragon and, um, and all those types of things. So we get to meet princess Rhaenyra. We kind of get to hear that she's a little bit rebellious. She has a little bit of Arya in her in terms of not necessarily wanting to just be a wife and have a, you know, be a breed mirror or anything like that. She has ambitions. She wants to be free. She wants to have adventures. And so, um, what'd you think about her character in this episode? Uh, I think it was good getting getting to just know her, know her background, know what she does and doesn't want to do. That conversation she has with her mother was just great about, you know, her mother's having her going for another child. Dad's hoping it's going to be a boy and her just like rejecting that. I don't, mm-hmm. that's not the path I want to take. That's not me. I don't want to just be used as a, a vehicle to have a son for, for some guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're learning through these um, council meetings that the king's brother Damon is um, in a role of power, and he's in a uh, commander of the city watch. So he's not going to the council meetings, but he's kind of just doing his own thing, um, not going home to be with his family, just kind of out in the streets. Um, some would say abusing his power by um, maiming and castrating and mutilating. Well, well <laughs> I do want to talk about Damon Targaryen and okay. how he was put in that position of power. No, and and, yeah. and really, I'm going to blame, we're going to get into his character later, uh, uh, Sir Otto Hightower, mm-hmm. uh, the hand of the king currently. Uh, he, he never liked Damon from, from what we see in the show. Right. Damon at first was the ma- master of law and said he was abusing that, moved him somewhere else. Uh, he was the uh, master of the, all the money and shit. He didn't like him there, so they moved him somewhere else. They put him in this position, being the uh, head of head of the city the city guard. Uh, Damon brought respect to the position. Mm-hmm. You can say what you want. Uh, it was people thought it was dangerous. People didn't like being in King's Landing in the in the little hovels. Yeah, he did say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who's gonna change that? Like he tells them that. Like yeah, people think it's dangerous out here, and we're about to have a bunch of the some of the greatest lords from across the kingdom come in for a tournament. We we need this thing looking nice. <laughs> now, long term, is it a good idea to cripple the able-bodied men of your city who are the people who would be the blacksmiths? and the bakers and the people doing the physical labor is it really a wise idea to cripple those people and a good chunk of those men are gonna die from infection especially the ones who got their nuts chopped off but see this is what this is what we're not getting he didn't cripple anybody and here's what i got from the scene is that they've been you know they've been staking out they've been figuring out who's been committing all these crimes so when they round them up they know who did it they're like Mm -hmm. hey that's the raper right there that's the person who was stealing uh that that person over there, he he like he like to try to punch people. He fucking drunker. They knew they knew who the criminals were. That's how good his that's how good his system was. His system of spies are. I'm sure there's a couple innocent people who got slipped up in the mix. I also think it was. I'm just being funny, but yeah, I I I don't know about doing that on a, the mass mutilation of your public. I think it's another way to intimidate people against committing crimes. But I think. We can also argue that, like, there's no punishment 
including death that's going to stop a person from committing a crime if they want to commit a crime but i get i do get what you're saying is like he's he's kind of set up as an antagonist but he's right about some things and i think that's what a good antagonist is always going to do they're always going to be a little bit right Mm -hmm. so that way you can't completely dismiss what they're saying or you can understand their motivations or where they're coming from and i think matt smith for me he was my the mvp of the episode i'm gonna give i'm gonna give my word out early because you know you give matt smith a character whether it's a really stupid vampire morbius or the doctor and doctor who or whatever like he's going to live in that character and he's going to give it his all and i really appreciate that about him and i mean he was just having a good time being a, a villain or an antagonist we don't know if he's gonna be a villain yet when was but he, he, a villain? Was, he was really having a good time with this character and i think he was really fun to watch on screen yes his, his performance i mean he was swaggering around he was the talk of the ball everybody's like what is damon targaryen doing right now mm-hmm. they're like they're, everybody's worried about what he's doing auto uh, auto hot he's like man this i gotta keep this man in check this boy is wild and out now here's my question mm-hmm. to you do what do you think auto hightower's intentions or motivations are because as we see from the last series, the hand of the king is a very an extremely powerful role, probably second only to the person who sits on the iron throne. Yes. And also the person who's the hand of the king, unless it's Ned Stark, and and even then you can make the argument that it's Catelyn Stark who's ambitious, but most of those times they have their own agendas for why they want to sit um, next to the king and have the king's ear. And so for Otto Hightower... I was curious in terms of, or is do you have the do you want to sit here and have this control and you want to kind of oust Damon because you really want what's best for the king, or because you have your own political agenda that you have at play as well? And you know what, this is where it comes down. Uh, in the episode, Damon made a comment about High Tower to his brother Viserys, the king, mm-hmm. and he was like, uh, uh, "Sir Otto High Tower is a second son." Who will inherit nothing, and that's why he's trying to position himself mm-hmm. in a high point at, at, at a high point in the in the court. Mm-hmm. But then when you when he says that, it's like he disregards that he is a second son that will inherit nothing, who's also trying to position himself in a high place in court. Like mm-hmm. they're both pretty much doing the same thing. Now you can put it from the perspective that Damon wants what's best for his brother. Like I don't think he has any ill will towards his brother. Like he wants his brother to succeed and do all this cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and since the show is called Heirs of the Dragon, you can tell he w- he also wants to be an heir. Mm-hmm. He want he wanted to be his like. There's no other male Targaryen in the line of succession except him. Like, yeah. Why why not me? Why would you, why would anybody else be a, to succeed you but me? Mm-hmm. So they're both second sons trying to make something in the world when they guarantee nothing. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that like George R. R. Martin said that there are no, there's no one to root for in this series. There's no clear good guy. And I think it makes for very compelling TV to watch because you can tell they were sowing seeds. They were laying out clues for just about every character that they have a, a potentially underlying motive. I mean, I would say maybe with the exception of like um, the queen, her name is escaping me really, right now. Uh, Ama. Yeah, Queen Ama and, Ama maybe Ren- and Princess Rhaenyra for right now. But everybody else, it's clear they have 
either a very obvious agenda or they may have a more discreet agenda that hasn't been revealed to us as an audience yet. Because I, I don't know, you were laughing at me when I was saying this, but something about that Allison, Otto Hightower's daughter, something about Allison, I don't know if it's that she's jealous of Princess Rhaenyra. I don't know if it's that she's plotting. I mean, she's clearly being used by her daddy, but I, I just don't know. Someone about her ain't sitting right with me. Well, I guess at this point, do you want to talk a little bit about the um, about the t- the attorney, the heir's attorney? Yeah. So, um, so at one point, pretty much the halfway through the show into the rest of the episode, we are juxtaposed between the scenes of the attorney, which is supposed to celebrate the birth of fingers crossed a healthy male heir to be named the heir, um, and then it's spliced with the birth of that child and. Um, the aftermath that happens. Yeah, and I guess right now let's focus on the this this attorney part and sure. all the things happening around that. Cause that I mean the the birth part that's some deep stuff. Okay, that's some deep stuff. Um, just going through it, I like the action. It was w- way better than what we got in Game of Thrones season one. Just watching the tournament unfold, them going out there, it really seemed like. I mean, I know they were actually jousting. Well, at least they stunned up was a jousting. <laughs> but the armor looked good. It looked like some something somebody would really wore in in a tournament before. Mm-hmm. And to see them just uh just to go head on, seeing all the the pageantry they had out there, and to see our boy Damon Targaryen back at it again, mm-hmm. and his cool dragging him picking on picking on the high tires once more because he got to pick his opponent and he picked uh, Otto High Tower's oldest son and whooped his ass out there. Mm-hmm. Wasn't no competition. Um and I guess some of the some of the funnier points to uh when the was it Borman Baratheon, the Lord of Storms in, he came out there and asked for his, who is his cousin, Rhaenyra's favor for the fight and called her the queen that never was. Mm-hmm. And that's a a slight that people call her behind her back. The queen never was since she didn't get picked. And then he got his ass whooped out there on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, that seemed weird to disrespect her cousin like that mm-hmm. in front of everybody at the court. Yeah, it did. And he got his comeuppance. Instant karma. Yeah, instant karma. But then you had, uh, we saw some cool, uh, good jobs between uh, Damon Targaryen and uh, up and comer Christian Cole. So can't wait to see what what he does. He whooped Damon's, Damon's ass out there. Mm-hmm. And then, shit, he had the balls to go over there and ask for the, the princess's favor. Mm-hmm. That, that took some balls right there. Yeah, yeah. I think this is where we differ because for me, those two scenes mm-hmm. being interspliced, or those two events being interspliced, I was definitely much more drawn to the scene of um, the birth, you know, the labor scene and the delivery scene and everything that happened with that. I definitely liked how they cut them, they cut them together and how they kind of like played off each other. Mm -hmm. But I definitely was really, really more so struck with the dilemma of, um, you know, this woman saying that she'd lost several children. She's had a a really difficult pregnancy you know, she wanted to be able to give her husband an heir, but um, just kind of like talking about her fears of going into this last delivery, only to have like literally the worst happen, worse than what she or he could imagine. And then having to make this decision where it's a lose-lose because you don't even know the gender of the baby. And, um, and so we see the king make the choice to sacrifice the queen to secure the the lineage of the throne and, and get his male heir 
And it's a gamble that we could say he loses for sure. Well, in that, in that sense, I, I never I never felt that he was sacrificing the queen because the maester pretty much told him they can both die or there's a chance we can save the baby, but we're going to cause your wife extreme pain and she will bleed out to death. Mm-hmm. Like They were both going to die regardless. Now, I don't know if I make that decision knowing that my wife is going to be in severe agony in her last moments. Now, that's a that's a tough call to make. Mm-hmm. And I know he made it. And I can tell that he really loved his wife and he mm-hmm. thought he was, yeah. do- he was doing that for the realm. Like, we have to try to secure a male heir right now. But, ugh, to hold your wife's hand while they strap her down and she's screaming. And they, to show all that, like, they show yeah. her. Because I know you say, like, I, I, this, was, this was my favorite part of the scene. Mm-hmm. That part over the turning, I just I thought I thought this part just deserved its own time to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Just just to to see them try to pull the baby out, and then when they got the baby out, it takes like a couple breaths and yeah. you hear it coughing. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was devastating, but I think it really underscored. I mean, and talk about characters in the Song of Ice and Fire universe, and now like uh, television universe where you have these characters that are only in episodes for one episode or one season or half a season, but they leave such huge impressions on the other characters who continue on. And I think this is one of those scenes where like that conversation we have between queen and princess about the duties of a woman in this time and the sacrifice that you make and how the daughter's kind of like, Princess Rhaenyra's like, oh, I just want to go out. I want to be a soldier. I want to have adventure. And her mom, meanwhile, is sacrificing her body and her life for her kingdom. Is in the same way that a soldier would go out there and sacrifice his body on the field. And so I'm really curious to see how that lesson or how that experience of like having that conversation with her mother and then losing her mother uh, impacts her decisions going forward in the series. Mm-hmm. Cause she just told her husband, I, I got one more fight in me in terms of the pregnancy, mm-hmm. cause she lost multiple pregnancies, had stillbirths. Mm-hmm. And she, and this was going to pose to be her last try. Uh, mm-hmm. just what a way, what a way. I, I, I guess we can move on. Uh, the funeral scene was, oh, wait, I got one last oh, comment before okay. we move on. I think too, when you have that art, this argument about like, can a woman be on the throne? Can a woman be a sir, a leader? And women aren't this, women aren't that. And then you see this woman literally go through this. Say she's like lost all these children. She has this huge burden on her shoulders of successfully growing and delivering a healthy heir. And then we see her go through this horrible birth, this painful breach birth, and then die like that. And then for them to be like, are women strong enough to be on the throne? And I'm not trying to turn it into like a political thing, but I just think that was a really smart way of showing like no 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 this is like princess Rhaenyra was very dismissive of what her mother was doing and then for that to happen it's like oh no this person was strong oh yeah you know? cause when you like she compared it to being on the battlefield yeah and, yeah. and sacrificing your life like the, the way they interspliced it, like we see the, the graphic beating that people are taking over mm-hmm. there at the tournament. They're getting their face bashed in. They're getting their arms broken. Then you cut over to her. She's literally getting her stomach cut open knowing that it is certain death because look, they just, they're, they're finger fucking their stomach wound trying Ooh, to pull I the baby out. Put a woman in front of that graphic content. Our bad listeners. Some people be getting queasy and stuff. Okay, well, uh, trigger warning. I mean, they literally cut open her wound to pull out a baby. So 
I mean, it, that's just as bad, if not, it is significantly worse than what was happening to those people on the tournament ground. Yeah, so I, I think I just like, it was definitely very graphic, but I like the, I, the fact that they took the time to show that because I think it's important to see, like, it's more than one way to be strong in this world. And mm. it doesn't necessarily mean being good with a sword or, you know, being maybe like, like Damon, good with a sword or having a dragon or like Otto Hightower, like obviously a, a smart, cunning man. And, you know, it's a lot of other ways that you can win the game of Thrones, basically. Um, and so, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead and continue. No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, I guess you got anything else to say about that? Or... No, I'm done. <laughs> okay. No, um, we, I mean, we see, we see the funeral it's everybody's dressed in black you see because at that point you don't know that the baby's dead you see Ooh. you see Ama Ama Aaron wrapped up in cloth on a pyre mm-hmm. and then right next to her, you see a little a little baby wrapped in wrapped in cloth on a pyre um yeah that was a, that was a scene right there. that was a hard scene that was sad, yeah. When you just when we spent the whole episode hearing about the stakes of this healthy baby, yeah. and then to see the baby like, oh, now he doesn't even have a wife right now to help him produce an heir, and we actually skipped over the fact that there is kind of another ticking clock introduced in this episode, which is the fact that the king has a little sore on his back. Mm. Uh, nah, mm. that thing looked nasty. I was like, okay, we can stop zooming in on it. They they didn't know what it was. He had mm-hmm. two maesters working on him. They're like, we sent we we're asking the Citadel at Old Town what's going on with this wound. They don't know. They can't even send a picture. They had to mm-hmm. probably just uh, describe it because it seems like he got poked by the throne. Mm-hmm. So we see another scene where he accidentally cuts his finger on the throne. So it seems like maybe it was an affection from dad. And but what does yeah. it mean? Because you know this is a different world, so people see these things as a bad omen. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 throne caused that caused that on you. Like ooh, what is that? Yeah. Ooh. And I love I love how poetic it is and how close it is to reality. Like in real life, there were people who were great kings who like drowned in a puddle of water because their armor was too heavy. You know, riding off to battle, and in this situation, it's like oh yeah. The swords are swords of dead men, so it could be blood on the swords, it could be flesh, it could be poison on the sword, it could be a curse on the sword, you know. And so I, I really like the fact that they introduce this sense of urgency of like, yeah, you look at him, you could, you could say, oh, he's a healthy, he's a healthy guy, kind of young enough, probably to take another wife and have more children. Oops, but nope, because now we got this problem. And <laughs> the, I mean, I think it's probably fair to guess that he's not long for this world. Yeah, yeah. I could be wrong. But... And it's crazy because it was literally the same problem the king before him had. Who's going to secede me? Mm, I thought I... she was going to say he right. I thought she was gonna say he died from a wound from the throne. I'm like, we got to get off this throne. <laughs> okay, okay. No, no, just just the problem with the heir. Like, okay. like that, that's going to be a problem with the realm because after the funeral, they're back in the great, the great council. Damon's not there, and everybody literally right after, like not a few weeks later, like that same day. Yeah, same clothes on, but it's such an important thing because, because lit- like like the, the the hand said, if you die tomorrow, who's mm-hmm. going to take over? Because mm-hmm. everybody in this room, and shout out to Corlys Valerian, says the king has a heir. He has Damon Targaryen, his mm-hmm. younger brother, mm-hmm. oldest second oldest male of House Targaryen. Mm-hmm. That should be his heir. And mm. I, I want to, I do want to say I agree with Corliss. <laughs> oh, you picking sides already? I'm picking sides already, but 
right now Corliss is still a, in the background just saying what he needs to say. Mm-hmm. Him and then you had a uh, Lord Strong over there saying, "Hey, hey, ain't no way we gonna let Damon do it. Shit, fuck mm-hmm. that." And so Otto like, "Yup, yeah, we can't have no Damon on no goddamn throne." And it was Sir Otto that said, mm, I mean, you also got a daughter, too. Because they said, we can't have the prince. And I, But I do like that scene for when, when they're talking about who should be the heir. You see Damon in the, in the background, like in a secret passageway mm-hmm. of the Red Keep, just listening to their conversation. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, this could be his opportunity, like, to be officially named the heir yeah. to the king. Yeah. <laughs> and that was so smart on him to not be in the room. Because you can't. In that moment, your your brother just lost his wife and his son. Mm-hmm. You can't be in there advocating for yourself. They're gonna yeah, think that's yeah. oh, that, that's just such a bad look. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be outside. I'm not gonna be there, but I'm listening. Mm-hmm. I know some secret ways around here. I'm gonna see what you're saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought it was interesting that how quickly like that conversation moved forward. Like, oh, now we got another. We have a more serious problem. Like, yeah, we say your wife did no, but we really got to figure out an heir for you and I think there was there was a little bit of a hint throughout the episode of worry that Damon would do something to to the king as well to hurry up and get his place on the throne and so I mean I wouldn't I would not be able to say that I think they're wrong to mistrust him and also to worry about what type of king he would be because we you know in terms of the Targaryen line you're gonna get a really good king or you're gonna get a really bad one and so I think there's a legitimate fear um, on the council of when he gets this power, what will he do with it? Yeah, because the thing we're also forgetting uh, about Westeros is it's in a, like you were talking about beginning of the episode, it's it's all lavish right now. It's lush. They haven't fought wars since the old king was a young man. Mm-hmm. You know, so nobody's battle tested. They're all like, they're all, pin- it's like a bunch of, it's a bunch of pent up frustration. And what happens if you get the wrong man on the throne mm-hmm. with all that pent up frustration in the kingdom? Cause they're used to, they're used to fighting before they were united. They fought all the time, at mm-hmm. least in small, and there's probably still small skirmishes going on, but not on the large scale war. Like, Hey, the, yeah. you got two large houses going at it. Mm-hmm. So you, you get a King that's a possible warmonger on the throne. Like, ugh, I can understand their, some of the people in that room's concerns. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So I, I thought that was a really good conversation. I don't have to say as I was watching that episode, I was like just struck by how much I missed those really good high council meetings. Mm-hmm. Like we used to get in Game of Thrones. Like we were throwing bars. People had snappy one-liners. People was making faces. They was just acting down. And I was like, ooh, yes, this is like, this reminds me of like seasons one, two, three, four of... Uh, Game of Thrones when we used to just get those juicy really good meetings like what was one remember when um Cersei and Jamie and I think it was a mountain they like burst into the high council oh, meeting yeah. and everybody was like well fine if you won't leave we'll leave you know like that <laughs> and the base it was farting and stuff so it was I think I just really enjoyed just kind of like settling back into this world like a warm bath like even when they would just throw out like little phrases or you would see somebody who was the descendant of somebody that we knew from the show even like the names coming back like Namira and Rickon and stuff I was like oh we're back we back baby <laughs> we back in the world baby mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. well I, I guess one of the one of as going on with the episode uh 
which is the weird part of the episode, our boy Otto Hightower t- calls his daughter in. Uh, she in there talking to him. He's like, hey, stop picking at your nails. Because she got like a little, I don't know, it was OCD or so, something. She's well, like, anxious thing, yeah, yeah. Real anxious, which I understand. She's around a lot of powerful people making decisions. And your father basically tells you to, I want you to go comfort the king in his time of need uh, and put your mama a dress on. Uh, now, is her mother dead? Her mother is dead. They, uh-huh. they, they bring that up in the episode. Her mother. Now, what do you think Allison Steele is? I think she, when you grow up, her father always wanted power. Her father is a second son. So that's probably put a lot of pressure on her and her older brother who we don't see. We see him in the tournament, but yeah. not a speaking role um, so far. Uh, that's probably a lot of pressure on the family. What do you think her her feelings are towards Princess Rhaenyra? I think they're friends. They like they like each other. Uh, I, I she's a real nervous, anxious person, you know. But I I do think at this point in their relationship, like they're like, hey, we cool. I don't know how it's gonna be if she keeps comforting her father. How cool they gonna be? <laughs> I think that there felt to me like a little bit of like my best friend is princess, and one way or another. You know, she's going to have a very important life and much more important compared to me. Like, even the juxtaposition of Allison having this super dark, rich hair compared to all of the the blonde, ethereal Targaryens, I think it, it just, she just stuck out like a sore thumb in all the scenes. And I think it was even a couple times where you, like, you saw her shoot some looks at, Ren- at Princess Rhaenyra. I just I feel like it was a little bit of like maybe not awe or but jealousy and not you know like sometimes there's jealousy in friendships but I think for me it felt like there was a little bit of a seed planted to where I'll be curious to know if those two people stay friends. Hey, you know what also makes you remember? I think she's just also really scared of making the wrong move, especially with her father right there. Because yeah. during the tournament, when uh, Prince Damon comes up and asks for her favor, and she gives it to him, she like immediately yeah. turns to her dad, mm-hmm. who just give, gives her a quick look of, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. Especially if the man about to go beat your brother. Just oh, I can't remember if he just beat her brother or was about to. Core life is, is stressful because, you, like you said... You never know if you're making a move that's going to cost you your head or in this case, cost you to get roasted. And it's full of a lot of intrigue and a lot of people playing games. And maybe if you weren't smart enough to pick it up, then, you know, you lose. And so I I have empathy and sympathy for her, but I'm cur- I don't know. I don't know. That's that's one to watch for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're going to learn more about her true feelings because she's I think she's just holding it all in. And when it when she probably lets it go, she's probably gonna let it go because mm. she the, she's so anxious right now. But that that she could probably have like a lot of fire in her. Yeah, mm. yeah, and I think too. I think there was some envy from her towards Princess Rhaenyra, but then I think they also did a really good job this episode of kind of showing that Princess Rhaenyra is kind of not necessarily enjoying being the princess. Like we see her at the end. Um, when she's talking to her father and she's like, how you haven't talked to me since, since my mom and my brother died. And even her knowing that her dad didn't really want a daughter. He wanted a son and he's always wanted a son. I think you get a, you get to see that you, that she maybe doesn't feel like they have a good relationship. No, no, I, I definitely see it, see that happening. It, it doesn't seem like a good, good 
relationship between those two mm-hmm. up until the point that he finally makes a decision on who's going to be next in line. But yeah. um, I guess before that, we got to talk what happened to our man Damon and his Viserys and Otto Hightower. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but in my opinion, I don't blame Damon for what happened. <laughs> he was in the he was in the in the whorehouse. Mm-hmm. He was with his main side chick, and you know everybody around him drinking. Side chick started getting a little boasty. Started telling everybody like, "Shit, y'all looking at the next." The, the heir to the king right here and he gets up and before he says ever, anything it cuts away it goes to a, another small council meeting where Otto Hightower is telling King Viserys that hey your brother uh, was toasting it up saying your, your dead son was heir for a day and he was like what? Mm-hmm. and he basically banishes Damon away well tells him he has to go back to his wife who was in Runestone mm-hmm. uh, but in my opinion we don't know how he said air for a day. Because, of course, everybody was hyping him up in the bar. He probably had a couple of beers. But it doesn't seem... He seemed sad about his brother losing his wife. He didn't seem happy or gleeful. He wasn't around boasting around. And that's the good thing about the writer is we don't know. We just have Otto Hightower saying, telling him the words he said. But it's a lot of context that we are missing from that statement that we don't gotta, we don't get. Like who do who do you believe on how he meant it? Well, it, I think it reminds me of kind of how the story is written in terms of you have multiple narrators telling story telling a history in the book, mm-hmm. and so you don't really know all the details or what perspective is more accurate than the others. I mean, I think it's less important to get hung up on the words of what he said. It's more important to think about. There are other motivations for why you want to get rid of your brother when you know you're getting ready to name another heir and why you may want to get him physically out of the way as well. But he could have just named him heir. If not for if not for him finding out what he said, Damien probably would have... I feel like he could he would have been named heir. Mm, I think if he wanted his brother to be the heir, he would have been the heir regardless. Well, you got somebody whispering in your ear for the past nine years telling you not... I think it was more so that... The, him that that gossip getting back was the excuse that he needed in a very emotional time to just do what he was gonna do anyway. It's like, oh, well, I've been wanting to fire you, but now your register is two dollars short. Now I have a legitimate reason I can fire you. That's how it came across to me. Mm-hmm. It's more so, ooh, how okay, I'm gonna get rid of him like they said too, but now I gotta find a reason. Ooh, perfect, you gave me one. You gave me a reason. You know, mm-hmm. no matter how you said it, it really wasn't gonna matter. <laughs> I guess not. I guess not. Well, it worked. He he got out of there. He took his he took his main chick Masaria out with him. Who uh, mm-hmm. well, her her character seems cool. I can't wait to see more of her. Uh, but they flew away on his drag. Well, he took his main chick to fly to his wife's house. So I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, obviously, based on the nickname he has for her, he don't really care about her. So he called his wife the bronze bitch. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I, I mean, that was definitely his Joker moment. Like, if you want to create yourself a an enemy, that's now definitely coming for the throne. If he wasn't already, because uh, Damon was kind of coy about it. I mean, I think we could probably say we could probably guess that Damon wanted the throne. But we didn't really see him going around saying that he was coveting the throne. It's just we can kind of imply that. But I think if you really wanted to set up an antagonist, you got it in that conflict. <laughs> yeah, well, he flew away and uh, King Viserys called his daughter down to the dungeons where they had the skull of Bel- 
Balerion, the black dread, the biggest dragon ever seen in Westeros. That thing was huge. That was a big dragon. That head. thing was so big. That's like if I was a soldier and I saw like, wow, what's in front of the sun? Is it an eclipse? <laughs> oh, it's the biggest dragon I ever seen in my life. Like, oh, hell no. And just quick, quick history about Balerion. He is the oldest creature in the world at this uh, when he was alive. He was the last creature to ever see Valeria, he, one of the original dragons to come with House Targaryen from Valeria to Westeros. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aegon the Conqueror rolled Valerion into battle when he conquered Westeros. And King Viserys was the last person to ride Valerion before he died of old age. Mm. Uh, he only rode Valerion one time around the city. He wanted to go to Dragonstone, but he was like, I don't think he's going to make it. Mm. <laughs> and he died shortly after that. What? Did he die of old age? The, the dragon died of old age. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's some suspicion of some other stuff happening, but besides that, he did die of natural causes. Mm. So uh, That was a big hit. That head was huge, and I guess I just was still, I think, another one of the moments for me where the, des- the set design was really impressive. And just to see the conversation between father and daughter in front of this gigantic dragon skull i was like wow that just lets you know what type of power mm-hmm. these people had it makes you understand like if you ha- had any question on how they conquered westeros yeah like that was their that was their incredible hulk and he was they can control it that was to me when you watch game of thrones and you hear like the pride of which through which daenerys says her titles and she talks about dragonstone and the, the desire to reclaim her family's uh, house and, and the kingdom and everything, you really don't get a sense of what was lost in the show because she's the only Targaryen. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you see the Iron Throne as something completely different because it's been a Baratheon sitting on there for decades and um, the Lannisters have like worked their way into there. Ain't no Lannisters in this episode. They're not in the room. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? We see a little bit of a Baratheon, but it's a, it's a very different Westeros. It's a very different type of rule when you have these dragons and you have this blonde family and, you know, the silver haired family with their magic and all this type of stuff. And I'm like, oh, I see why she feels like she's the rightful ruler to this kingdom because this is what she would was descended from. Like people tried to fight those things too. That's the thing. I, before that, there were two kings that rolled Balerion into battle, and people tried to really pull out their swords and arrows and fight that. Yeah, like you literally know that you grew up. You 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 descended from people who rode gigantic dragons and created this kingdom and ruled it for centuries. Their lineage ruled it for centuries. I'll be trying to get my way back to Westeros too. <laughs> my rightful crown. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, but that was that was just an awesome scene, and we get the series just explaining to Rhaenyra like why why we rule, uh, why Aegon the Conqueror uh, turned to Westeros and said I must unite this land because he had a dream called the Song mm-hmm. of Ice and Fire, mm-hmm. uh, which is the title of the book series, the the uh, main book series of this mm-hmm. show. Uh, that was the moment right there. I was yeah, like, it, it all came moment. came together. Especially if if that's canon, like that makes all the sense. Like it's the song of ice and fire, the house Targaryen, the fire having to beat back the ice from the far north, mm. which were which is the White Walkers. That's poetic in a, in a sense. It was excellent. It was a perfect way to ruin. I mean, ruin. <laughs> it was a perfect way to end at what was already an excellent episode. But then to get like, ooh, let's give a little fan service in there, <laughs> and I and I think. 
usually in TV shows and movies where they say the title of the thing, it's like, oh, that was kind of corny. But this one, that line hit. It was really good. It was really good. When I tell you, it completely changes my perception of what I thought the song of Ice and Fire meant mm. by that. It mm-hmm. it completely blew it away. That's how good that, that drop was and how they did it. Yeah, and I love the fact that the that conversation that he has with Princess Rhaenyra, it brings stuff from the original series together even more. Because we see that this the dream was that a Targaryen needed to stay always stay on the throne so that they could win against the White Walkers. And that is so cool. And then you have to ask yourself, well, which Targaryen was the one that was needed to defeat the White Walkers? Because mm-hmm. technically it was Arya. Technically it We're going to ignore that for now. Um, yeah. that's, and that's the cool thing to see. It's like they had a dream, but no, like... Did Aegon the Conqueror think it was going to be him, and that's why he united it, united Westeros so early? Well, you never know. Yeah, and that's the part about it is you never know when it's going to happen, when we're going to get this long night. But there always needs to be a Targaryen on the throne because a Targaryen is the person who's who's prophesied to bring everybody together to unite against this bigger, ominous threat. Mm-hmm. And I I love that like. Yeah, we kind of crazy, but there's also a lot of validity to the Targaryen dream. So as we saw, that you know they had this dream. That's why they got out of Valeria, and that's why their line survived. And then we have this other this other dream that's very prophetic that we know for a fact comes true. Even though the people who were alive in this series are never going to see the White Walkers, and never well, yeah, they might see White Walkers, but mm-hmm. they're never going to. You know, we're the conclusion of the dream happens two hundred years later. But we as the audience know that's true. Yeah, like oh, there there were White Walkers. The dream mm-hmm. was was real. Targaryen needed to stay seated on the Iron Throne. But we're gonna see. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to see what happens. Like how? Because I mean, we know based based on the the trailers, there's gonna be more fighting between people mm-hmm. of House Targaryen. Just based on everything we've gotten from those. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you can definitely see the cracks in the family. Mm-hmm. Like the small cracks happening within them, the different factions being born. Even if we don't know who's on whose side, like we got inklings of maybe who's going to work together. We got mm-hmm. Sir Otto teaming up with the series and trying to get his daughter somewhere. We got Coralis, uh, the only one in the room, sticking up for Damon Targaryen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the the princess and Allison, uh, and how their relationships going to form. We got a lot going on. Yeah. And we also got the queen that never was just out there being the queen that never Man, was. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's a jam-packed episode. <laughs> and we were already been talking for an hour and there are still other characters who we really didn't get that deeply into that hopefully we'll be able to talk more about them next time. But I, I am curious for you. So I've shared my MVP already. Who is your MVP of the episode? Ooh, my most valuable for our episode. Hmm. Because I... I was thinking Damon Targaryen, mm-hmm. but you know what? I want to give my MVP to King Viserys because mm. he had a lot going on this episode. Mm-hmm. We really got to see a king involved with the the ruling of his realm. Like mm-hmm. It wasn't a wartime king. It wasn't like in the Game of Thrones show 
where uh, Rob Stark or Jon Snow, mm-hmm. they were king, but it was during war. It was a lot happening. They couldn't just mm-hmm. rule their kingdom. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a guy, I'm just trying to run the day-to-day right now. Right. I'm trying to throw a cool party. I'm trying to keep everybody happy because we don't fight wars anymore right now. We're all just catching the vibe. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and he's dealing with illness himself. He had to, pretty much, like you said, sacrifice his wife to try to have an heir. It was sacrifice her in a horrible way, but... Oh, I think George R. R. Martin is really good at writing kings, good and bad, different types. But he he writes them so compelling, and I think a big part of it is because they don't have to sit on a throne that long. We get to see these like really short arcs play out, and mm. we don't know, we don't know, he might be on there for a little while. But I'm I'm gonna guess by context clues that he's not long for this world. So, <laughs> I I think he definitely uh, was a really interesting character to watch this episode for sure. Yeah, that was, that was definitely cool seeing everybody. Uh, agree mm-hmm. bend the knee to Rhaenyra like you are the heir to the Iron Throne mm-hmm. and I, did you have anybody you didn't like in this episode mm-hmm. uh, like I said I don't trust Allison, but I will mm-hmm. say I don't I don't have anybody who I disliked this episode uh, I have a uh, part I dislike mm-hmm. and that was uh, the weird relationship between Damon and Rhaenyra mm-hmm. who is his his niece uh, him giving her that necklace mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, he, he just gave it to us. Well, so, that's how they do in that family, though. That is that's how, they, how do. they do. Brother to sister, uncle to niece, mm-hmm. aunt to cousins. Yeah, he he said, I'm going to get on this throne way where the other. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be with you by my side or uh, just me up there by myself. But for the episode, I would definitely be rewatching this before next before the next episode. I I mean I enjoyed it. The cinematography was great. Everything just seemed so grand. Like it seemed bigger than it did from the original series. Being mm-hmm. some sometimes in the same setting, even the um the Iron Throne room. I, I know they did something different with the Iron Throne, but it, it just seemed like a bigger place. Like there was more mm-hmm. space in there. Yeah, it was grand. It was at the heyday. I do also want to say we so we've been kind of going back and forth between saying Princess Rhaenyra and Princess Rhaenyra's. Her name is Princess Rhaenyra, so we're that is her name. So we're gonna have to just remember to say Rhaenyra, which is difficult because a lot of the names on this show sound alike. But we are gonna commit it to memory. And we're gonna do better next episode because we got Princess Rhaenyra, and technically we got Princess what's the name Rhaenys, who's the queen that never was, mm-hmm. and she technically still has the title of princess. Mm-hmm. So it's like they gonna have to start getting some nicknames. <laughs> Somebody gonna have to be Nissness or something because that those names are very very close. So yeah, yeah. then her nickname is so long. Queen than ever was. Mm. Like goddamn. But um, yeah. Did you how how'd you like the episode overall? Episode was great. Um, I liked the fact that they went ahead and made it a little bit longer so it could do what it needed to do and it could breathe. Um, I like that it moved at a really fast pace. I hope that we continue to do that. Uh, I thought the writing was excellent. We were back in with the quippy dialogue in the bars. So that was, that was fantastic. Costumes was beautiful. CGI to dragons was pretty good. So yeah, all in all, I have to give it a thumbs up. Yeah. Like this, this is a great, great series, great opening to the series. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know anything about Westeros. You didn't need, you don't need to watch any of the Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. You don't need, need to read any of the books. You can jump into this episode and they do enough explaining that everything makes sense that's happening right now. Yeah. Now, if you want to know about House Lannister or House Tully, 
for some reason and you don't know anything else, you're, you're not going to get this right now. Mm-hmm. But give it time. Let it breathe. You're going to learn different things. The world's going to grow as the series goes on. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be cool to see what new... We're going to see different locations that we didn't get to see in the original series, mm-hmm. which is going to be great. So... I'm just ready to sit back and enjoy the ride. I'm not I'm not going to try to pressure it or make it go in any direction or I don't want them to force characters in there just for the sake of callbacks or anything from the original series. Like just tell me a good story. I'm dedicated to this story and I'm I'm in for the ride. All right. Well, I think we've reached our natural conclusion of the episode. Yeah. Um I do want to say thank y'all for everybody who's made it this far listening to us. Uh, we're going to keep going. We love, Hey, we love this series. We're going to keep making episodes and hopefully y'all want to listen to us make more. Yeah. So like I said, again, you can find us on Twitter at house nettles. You can find us on TikTok. Eventually we'll start posting stuff, but if you follow <laughs> us, we'll follow you back at the same name. Are we same name on Twitter and TikTok? Yeah, house nettles, house of nettles. And so we really want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts about the show. Please take the time to like, um, give us a review on iTunes. It's how people can find us in the algorithm. Um, please subscribe. If you subscribe if you enjoyed us today. If you want to, you know, hear more of our thoughts as we release episodes, we're going to try our best to uh, always come out the day after. Well, on Tuesday. Or two, on Tuesday after. Maybe it'll be a little bit of a delay on Labor Day weekend because, you know, it's a holiday and everything like that. <laughs> but, yeah, so check us out and engage with us. Yes, we'll see you guys next time.